0: Due to the graphic nature of this program, viewer discretion is advised. Hey, what is crackalakin? Welcome to the Digital Formula Podcast, my name is John, Uh, I will be hosting this podcast series. Um, So this is Season 1, Episode 1, getting off to an interesting start. Uh, Woke up probably about noon, worked night shift last night, get a uh, text message from my mother saying, are you off? Well, yes, yes I am off. There's a tree in the house. So I'm like, okay, and sure enough, she sends me a picture from one of the neighbors, and there's a damn tree into the side of the house, and uh, the picture was taken by, one, like I said, one of the neighbors, so she's at work, my dad's at work, so she asks if I can go down, I go down, take a look. Uh, Fortunately, no real damage, no injuries. Um, It's really hard to actually see if there's any damage because the damn thing is covering the entire side of the house and the deck. But uh, that was not how I was expecting to start my day. Uh, So figure I'll come home and uh, try a podcast for the first time ever because, you know, fuck it, why not? It's already been the year of insanity, and uh, why not, uh, you know, we've already got the bees, why don't we get the dogs, or the dogs that when they bark, they shoot bees out of their mouths. So for those of you who don't know, this uh, series is going to be full of Simpsons references, specifically seasons 1 through 11, because gonna quote the Simpsons, gonna quote them fine, gonna stick to episodes from seasons 1 to 9. Um, but anyway, so um, <clears throat> welcome to the Digital Formula Podcast. Uh, in this series, uh, it's mostly going to be uh, Formula One from the perspective of me, which is uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there from, you know, Britain, other countries, uh, but there isn't a lot of podcasts seeing Formula One from the perspective of an American. And uh incorporated into that i'll tie in uh digital racing so like the you know formula one video games a couple other games and really racing in general um but i have a feeling that you know it's going to be very easy to get derailed so we very well may end up talking about anything you know this may end up like uh the angry and negative podcast where one second they're talking about flyers hockey and the next they're talking about their feces um so I'll probably do this podcast um, as I see fit to. You can check the Facebook page, uh, search for Digital Formula. It has the red, blue, and orange background uh, DF logo on it. Uh, if there's somebody else out there with a Digital Formula podcast name, then uh, I didn't find it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, for this first episode... There's a lot to discuss. Um, Formula One <clears throat> has been a big topic um, right now because of all of the shutdown from COVID. Um, but I guess I'll start with uh, a little bit of you know, how I personally got into liking Formula One. Uh, for me, it was actually sort of a transition from NASCAR, uh, which I mostly got into NASCAR. Uh, there was the Kmart, right around the corner, probably about five minutes from my grandparents' house, and they had, oh God, I think it was at the time, Rusty Wallace was driving the Tide car, and they brought this car out to the, um, yeah, you know, the Kmart, and yeah, you know, they'd let you like take a look in it and all, and. I remember when they fired it up cause we were there at the end of the day. So they had to load it up and it was the most biblical noise I had ever heard. Um, but that car was just, I thought that was the coolest thing since sliced fucking bread. Uh, and I, yeah, so I ended up watching all the time. I was probably in second grade. So that would have been 90, 98, probably 98. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, my dad watched a little bit. I hadn't really paid too much attention at that point, but I started watching. Fell in love with Dern, Dern Dale Earnhardt Sr. Um, you know, just his racing style. Uh I, I mean who who doesn't love the Intimidator? Uh so followed him until two thousand and one. Obviously he passed away, uh, at that point. Uh oops. Uh, at that point, I s- started following Kevin Harvick a lot, uh, since he kind of replaced uh, Earnhardt Sr. Uh, also, at some point, ended up getting into liking Matt Kenseth. Uh, he was pretty cool uh, driver, too. Um, they both seem relatively level-headed, down-to-earth guys. Um, so, my transition to Formula One actually took a bit longer. Um, I briefly got into it for a hot second in 2012 and i found it initially from the there was like a trial for the f1 2012 video game and i remember trying it and just being terrible at it but the cars were com- not completely different but they were significantly different um I believe they had anti-lock brakes uh, you couldn't actually. It was a some sort of rule that you couldn't break while turning, so you had to break before getting to the corner, then turn, and then you could accelerate out of it. Um, something weird like that. I just remember being biblically awful at it, so I pretty much gave up on that. Um, but at this point, NASCAR was starting to lose me. They went to the playoff style, and I was not about that at all. Um, at that at this point, I was also working uh pretty much full time um you know i work in public safety so weird hours lots of weekends and it's very hard to keep up with that kind of thing especially before on demand uh being able to stream things online so formula one was particularly difficult especially with the time changes uh so i kind of gave up on that for a little bit until Codemasters released the F1 2017 game figured I'd give it a shot instantly fell in love wanted to know more wanted to watch more uh and yeah things kind of went from there I now have the F1 TV subscription for the internet so I can watch any race that was ever recorded uh in history along with the race you know the current races when I watch a live can listen to the team radio um Can go back and watch different sessions. Uh, So, that's once we actually get racing here, uh, that'll actually be kind of nice. So, you might be asking, all right, John, well, what are some of your favorite teams? Who are your favorite drivers? Um, So, being an American, obviously, got to root for the home team. Uh, Haas is. Uh, first off, it's Haas' team has taken off with popularity because of the uh, Drive to Survive series and Gunther Steiner. Um, he has sort of found a uh, a bit of fame uh, because of his no BS, no nonsense uh, style of managing the team, uh, which I personally love. Uh, I think that's absolutely a fantastic way to be a team principal. Uh, Everybody knows where you stand. Everybody knows what's expected of them. Um, But, yeah, initially it was, well, got to root for the home team, but it's sort of evolved even more uh, since then. Which, depending how this season goes and what Gene Haas decides on, uh, hopefully they'll be racing next year. But if if they don't have a solid year this year, I think we may see the end of them. Uh, Another team that I like, uh, sort of the back of the pack, the Williams. Um, Yeah, they have a. It's sort of like rooting for the underdogs, uh, the Williams Mercedes. Unfortunately, no longer Rocket Williams. Uh, they dropped that sponsorship. They are currently in a bad way. Uh, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with them. Um, and then probably one of my other big ones is um, McLaren. Uh, they've been around forever. They've been a fantastic team. And. Um, Yeah, they've had some of the greats come through, and now they're going to have Daniel Ricciardo driving for them. So, uh, all the more reason to like them. Uh, Ferrari, you know, there's something about them that I do kind of like. There aren't really any teams I don't like. even Red Bull, like, you know, people have kind of a love hate relationship with what I've seen from Red Bull. And I don't really care either way from them. I just think that Max Verstappen is a fucking asshole and he can take a long walk off a short cliff. Um, anyway, some of my favorite drivers, Ricardo, he's the official driver of brain trust. Shout out to brain trust. Um, he is just an all around fantastic guy, has a great personality. Um, his he but you know so he's got this hilarious shut up god um he's got this sorry this is my work notification he's got a fan daniel ricardo has a fantastic sense of humor um yeah great on and off the track genuinely a very nice human being very good all all around guy um on the track he is you know in even in the paddock he knows when to turn it off on the track once he jumps in that car he is a hundred percent business um to hear you can hear it in the team radios the f- level of focus that he is racing at and it's it's quite impressive to see um yeah you know, so you know hilarious off the track good guy off the track and on the track absolutely fantastic racer i think yeah i mean you've seen what he's able to do in red bull i'm really hopeful yeah, going to Renault, i feel like he may have kind of shot himself in the foot but going to mclaren uh, I'm very hopeful for the future for him, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with them. Um, one of my other big favorites, Kevin Magnuson. Um, suck my bowels, mate. Yeah, he, just, he kind of reminds me a lot of Dale Earnhardt Sr., sort of that intimidator uh, style racing. He's very much like Gunther Steiner in that... He is a no-nonsense guy. What you see is what you get. Um, and he's he truly is in it to win it. Um, I feel like he has a little bit more difficulty telling the team exactly what he needs out of the car. But, yeah, so he sort of has trouble getting getting it right. He, he's, he's, he seems to be either very on or very off. But when he is on, he is ridiculously fast. Um, So, and, you know, and he's a Haas driver. So again, kind of got to root for the home team. Um, So, and then there's a few drivers uh, who aren't, you know, who I've kind of been keeping my eyes on. Um, Lando Norris, obviously he, you know, is driving. He's going to be racing with uh, Ricardo next year at McLaren. He him and Ricardo already have an absolutely fantastic relationship. Uh if you haven't seen it, look up the video of the press conference where Ricardo asks him if he even has pubes yet. And I mean they're both dying hysterically and everybody's kind of confused, doesn't really know what's going on, but it's one of the funniest exchanges I've ever seen be, between two drivers. Uh it, it, I'm I'm very excited to see how they're going to work together. I think it's going to be a very electric uh, team uh, next year. I, th- I think McLaren, with any luck, this may be that spark that the team needs to really get them moving. Uh, the two others, um, you know, George Russell, uh, currently with Williams. I think when he gets into the right car, he's going to be fantastic. Uh, I think if Williams could get their shit together, uh, it would be significantly better as well. Uh, But, yeah, he's not... I don't think he's in the right car. I think if he can move up to uh, Racing Point, Force India, whatever the fuck they're called these days, um, I think he could, you know, do significantly better. Um, Yeah, it, it... He's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place right now. Uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to see where he's going to end up. I think if he ends up in, uh, you know, one of the top team drives, you know, Mercedes, I think he could be one of the next great champions. Uh, Nicholas Latifi. Uh, first off, great name. Um, shout out to Nick. And I think that he, um, you know, Latifi is, I mean, he did pretty dang well in Formula 2 from what I've seen and some of the other uh, championships. I think that he doesn't necessarily have the same potential as the George Russells or the Alex Albans, but... Given the right circumstances, I think he can be very successful, uh, and I'm, I'm very excited to see what the future holds for him as well. Um, all right, so enough of that nonsense about me and what I think, and yeah. So let's get on to some uh, F1 news. So today's June third. Um, and it was just announced within the last couple of days, the first eight races of the 2020 season have finally been announced. I have been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, so the Austrian GP will race on the 5th of July. So this July 4th weekend. Um, that Sunday, we'll finally have some Formula One. Uh, the next weekend, they will race in Austria again. So that will be the 12th of July. Then they will go to Hungary for the Hungarian GP on the 19th of July. There will be a break. And then they'll go to Silverstone for the British GP on the 2nd of August. Uh, Then they will race in Silverstone again on the 9th of August. Uh, The 16th of August, you'll have the Spanish GP. The 30th of August, will round out the month with the Belgian GP in Spa. And then on the 6th of September, we will have – so I guess that's uh, Labor Day weekend, I think. I know Labor Day is late this year. That might be that. Um, So on Labor Day weekend, we'll have the Italian GP in Monza, uh, which is about when it is um, normally. Uh, According to Formula One, the details on the remaining races are to be finalized at a later date. Um, it's expected that these races will be behind closed doors. Pretty much the first date here are all going to be behind closed doors as far as we're aware. Um, the FIA English my second language the FIA is hoping for a 15 to 18 race season by the end of the year uh, personally I think that's a lot of races in a small span of time that's a lot of races for a full length season to try and cram that into six months is asking a lot of the teams and a lot of the drivers especially when you know they've been closed out they haven't been able to you know ship the cargo containers around to the different places um, so I I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, op- rather optimistic, if you ask me. Um, so some races that will not be happening in 2020: the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort or whatever it's called uh, will not be happening. Uh, that is confirmed by the event um, organizers. Um, Vietnam is still postponed. I'm not 100% sure they're going to be able to make it, which is kind of a shame that you're not getting to do these two new tracks. Uh, you know, Zandvoort and you know, the uh Vietnam track circuit or the Vietnam street track. Um, yeah, those those were both going to be very different especially with um the Dutch GP uh with the banked turns. Uh Another race uh, that will not be happening is Monaco. Uh, that is definitely not happening this year, according to the event organizers, uh, at least from what I've been able to find. Uh, they seem pretty confident that will not be happening. Uh, so some other news. Uh, driver moves. Uh, big talk right now in the paddock. Vettel leaving Ferrari. Um, Carlos Sainz is going to be filling his place. Um there's some talk as to why Vettel's leaving. Nobody's really said anything officially. Uh part of it and I think a big part of it is the team is expecting more from him, especially now with uh Charles Leclerc um you know really sort of bringing his A game. Uh he's kind of made Vettel look like a chump. Uh yeah, he's not he's no longer the team's really lead driver anymore at least in my eyes. Um so Ferrari's demanding more of him and I think that's a big part into why he's leaving. I think he realizes that he's he's going to be on his way out one way or another and maybe it's better for him to take it in his you know to leave on his terms. Uh another factor. So he's got a wife and three kids. His last kid was just born in November. Uh, you know, all his kids are pretty young. He very well may want to spend some time with them while he's got the chance to enjoy his kids while they're young. You know, I don't, I don't have kids myself. I, I do not have crotch goblins. However, I would imagine that, um, you know, if I did have crotch goblins, I'd probably want to be able to spend some time with them as they grow up. So, you know, for a multitude of re- reasons, again, English, my second language, um, Another big one, uh, money, obviously. Maybe he wants more money. Maybe the team doesn't want to put it out. Everybody's tight on cash right now, given with the whole uh, COVID-19 situation. Um, They may not want to pay him as much, especially if he's no longer the first-seat driver. Um, So I think the next question is, what does the future hold for him? And I think... It really depends. Um, I don't. Honestly, I'm not entirely sure he's going to be racing next year. Um, You could see him take a step down to perhaps um, Renault. You know, so. You know, some other driver news. Uh, You know, Ricardo has announced he's going to McLaren. Uh, Already sort of discussed that, which I am super excited about this. I really want it to work well. I want Ricardo to do really well. I think the formula is there so long as the car behaves and the team can remain consistent. Um, But on that note tying into Vettel, Um, you know, who's going to replace Daniel at Renault? I could see Vettel theoretically doing it if family, you know, that family reason I said isn't driving his departure from Ferrari. Uh, but that's kind of a big step down from Ferrari. It's, it's not necessarily unheard of. I mean, Kimi went back to Sauber, but, uh. I don't know. It's, uh, like, I feel like Kimmy was, you know, Kimmy's doing it cause he's, you know, in it for the fun still. Whereas Sebastian, I, I think he's really still hopeful that he can, you know, put another championship or at least a decent season under his belts his belt. But I, I don't know if that's actually something that's capable of uh, being done at this point. Um, Another option to replace Ricardo at McLaren, uh, Fernando Alonso. Yeah, uh, you know, he's 38 years old, so this would most likely be his you know, quote-unquote last hurrah. Um, I know he said that he was open to coming back once the new regs are in place, except those regs have been pushed back to 2022 for the most part. So I, you know, and he was pretty. What's um, the word I'm looking for? Uh, it, <sighs> Sort of disheartened um, when he left McLaren, you know. I think he was sort of disheartened with the whole sport. So to see him come back under the current reg, still, uh, it seems like a bit of a long shot. Uh, Another option: Are is Renault open to the possibility of you know bringing back Nico Hulkenberg? yeah, you know, he do which that raises the question of does Renault really want to go down that road again? I mean, they had him for so many years and he kind of shit the bed. Um, I mean, He's, when he, again, he did really, really well in the, you know, the junior series. uh but when it came to F1, he had no podiums. He came really close, you know, at least once last year and a couple other times, but he's never been able to, you know, cash out when it was important. And I think that is something that's kind of left a bad taste in honestly every F1 team's mouths. Uh, yeah, the nice thing is, is you kind of know what you're getting with them. Uh, yeah, but that's not necessarily a good thing, especially if it's, you know, you're not getting podiums. Um, another option is one of the, uh, Renault, uh, test drivers. There's the, uh, God, I'm going to butcher this name. Guan Yu Zhu. Oh, God, I butchered the hell out of that. Um, he's currently racing in Formula 2. Uh, he finished... Seventh in Formula 2 championship last year. He had one pole, but he had five podiums, um, which for a, what is it, a 12 race season, that's pretty dang good. Um, I think he kind of, you know, if he's if he's got five podiums and he's finishing seventh, it makes me a little concerned that maybe there's a lack in consistency there. But you know i i don't really know all the details to that um prior to that his best finishes were in the Toyota Racing Series in 2016 he finished P6 uh in the championship and the 2015 Italian F4 championship uh he finished P2 which you know finishing 7th in F2 last year makes you kind of wonder does does he have what it takes are we going to end up looking at another you know Hulkenberg uh Especially once you get up to F one. Uh, then there then there's you know, there's still also the possibility that they may go for somebody else that we don't even have on the radar yet. I mean, there's a bunch of options. They could decide to pull somebody up from F three, which would be a little weird, but you know, or you know, there could be somebody else from another team that maybe they'll poach who isn't happy. You know, maybe you'll see George Russell at <laughs> and uh Renault next year, if Williams goes under. Uh, you know, the possibilities are really endless, and it's kind of hard to speculate, but it's just some interesting food for thought. Uh, so, continuing in the news, um, obviously, with the coronavirus, uh, some of the 2021 regs have been pushed back. Others have been moved forward and actually changed a bit. Uh, the big one that has been moved forward and changed. Um, is the cost cap that was supposed to start next year with the new um, the new car bodies? Um, it was going to be 175 million US. Uh, that is now going to be 145 million US starting next year. Uh, in 2022, that will go down to 140 40 million. US and then 135 million US 2023 and onward Uh, for 2024 and beyond the cap can be adjusted to take inflation into account Uh, and according to the FIA this can be brought forward into the 2021 to 2023 range if the inflation is over 3% in those years and this is economic inflation obviously Um, the reason they're doing this is the initial cap Covered expenditure so the initial cap uh, covers the expenditures that are related to car performance um, It excludes all marketing costs race driver fee and salaries um, And the cost of the team's three highest paid personnel this will still remain the same um, So they have um also made further changes since then. Um, they are excluding salary costs for staff on maternity and paternity leave, as well as sick leave, plus costs of medical benefits to team employees. Um, and what this will do is this will ensure that the teams are not motivated to cut costs in these areas to stay within the cap. So essentially, um, by removing these from the cap, it'll keep teams from screwing their employees over. Um, the idea behind these caps being lowered um there's two things really uh one it's to level the playing field was the initial reason for the cap um the reason they're bringing it down is to try and reduce costs now with um covid-19 creating sort of an economic nightmare um as far as other rule changes um so there are um, so the 2021 rule changes, uh, there's a bunch that are going to be moved to 2022. So the cost cap, as I discussed, uh, is still going to remain in 2021. A couple others that are going to remain in 2021 is uh, aero testing limitations in wind tunnels. I'm sorry, that will actually be new. Uh, and the way that's going to work is it's going to be reverse championship order. So teams at the bottom will get more aero testing time in wind tunnels than the top teams. And the idea is this will hopefully allow... Um, to find either you know places where you can improve your aerodynamics, or to possibly allow some of the lower teams to find loopholes in the rules and allow them to close that gap onto the higher tier teams. Um. Otherwise, the bodywork is going to be mostly the same. Uh, Wings, side pods, and the diffuser can still be modified. Um, There are also going to be changes to the floor of the cars to prevent so much downforce that the cars would essentially require development of new tires, as the current tires would essentially be chewed up by the increase of downforce with um, the increases. Um, It'll make the cars about a half second slower per lap, which is about what the team's would find during off-season testing, so the idea is that by keeping the speeds at roughly the same, you won't have to develop new tires, since they're going to develop new tires for 2022. Um, the new era cars, obviously, have been postponed to 2022, Um One of the other new things coming for 2021 is they're going to have a reduction in the number of power unit upgrades along with a reduction of bench testing time limits. Uh, Grid penalties will be in effect like in previous seasons in the event the team goes over the allotted number of upgrades per season. Um, And again, all of these changes are designed to reduce costs to the teams and help level the playing field. Um... Now the rule change, which actually goes into effect this year, the rule has already been ratified. Uh, there will no longer be a restriction on the number of design changes to driver helmets. Uh, it used to be that one change per season uh, was the limit except for special events like the 1000th race uh, in China last year. And what this had to do with was... Uh, fans being able to tell which driver was which in the team cars you have two cars that look exactly the same well, Everybody knows all right driver a has a yellow helmet driver B has a silver helmet in a red Ferrari So they know who's who based on that helmet color um, So that's why they made the rule change because there were drivers like such as Daniel Ricardo who likes to change his helmet very frequently uh, however There's two things that kind of render this pointless. Uh, The first one and the big one is the addition of the Halo uh, since 2018. Um, It makes it rather difficult to see the helmet anyway, so it's kind of a moot point. Uh, The other thing is, on top of, and this has been as long as I've been watching Formula 1, on the camera mast on top of the car, for the second driver's car, the mast has fluorescent neon yellow stickers on it. If you can't see that even at 220 miles an hour, then you probably need to get your vision checked. Um, So, yeah, that that concludes the news uh, as far as Formula 1 is concerned. So to dive into sort of a, you know the other half of what this podcast is going to be about, uh, I mentioned that it's not only going to be Formula 1, but also different you know different video games, mostly racing related, but not necessarily, and really could end up anywhere. So today, for the second half of the show, um, or the last couple minutes, I'm going to discuss the new F1 2020 game, um, something I've been looking forward to a little bit. Uh, actually pretty significantly as of late Uh, releases the 10th of July this year so it's going to feature the championship as it was originally supposed to run before COVID-19 so it will feature all 22 circuits including the Hanoi Street Circuit and Circuit Zandvoort or however you pronounce it um, despite the cancellations and postponements of the Vietnamese GP and the Dutch GP um, I'm certainly going to imagine Monaco is going to be in there as well. It's probably a copy-paste job from F1 2019. Um, so the big feature to this game is it's going to introduce team management feature known as My Team, which allows you to create and run an 11th team in the grid. So it'll keep all the other 10 teams, and you're essentially coming on as the 11th team, um, which is something I've looked forward to. Uh, for quite a while, uh, the idea of building my own team and racing it in F1 I think is pretty cool. It's sort of like um, the motorsport manager game, except you can drive f- for your team as opposed to having other people drive for you. And I find that absolutely like it, work may have to find a replacement for me because I may just disappear off the face of the planet Uh, it's it's quite possible I'm just gonna disappear for weeks at a time and fall into it and suddenly I'll be emaciated and weigh 80 pounds and super dehydrated and then work will find me about the time somebody's taking me to the hospital so anyway, they'll also have the career mode uh, sort of similar to F1 2019. Essentially, they'll let you... So in F1 2019, um, for the Formula 2 season, uh, you could only do like parts of three races. Um, but it was part of a story. It was really short. Um, and then you could race F2 on the side. This year, with the career mode, you'll be able to either do the three races like... 2019 or you can do an entire f2 season Um, this year there's no story mode to go with it which is fine by me I thought honestly thought it was it kind of took away from the game to be 100% honest so I'm actually kind of glad to see the story go away Um, so one of the big features from what it appears to be is that your created driver from career mode that you can you should be able to race on your team that you created in the My Team mode. Um, customization from initial screenshots and video appears as if it may be lacking. Um, you know, I don't know if it's specifically uh, certain paint jobs you can only do. It looks like you can't really add sponsors, but it, you know, the game was still in development. Uh, so hopefully they will add it, You know, even if it's something like f- fake sponsors or freaking Codemasters plastered on the side of the goddamn car, uh, would be better than nothing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm remaining cautiously optimistic in that sense, but I'm half expected to be let down. It's sort of the electronic arts theory of pray for the best, expect the worst. Um but yeah, like I said, I'm really excited to race as my own created driver for my own team. Um, it's, it's That is something that I've kind of wanted for a while now. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Like I said, I may disappear for a while. Um, one of the other features is you can adjust how long the season is. You can do uh, 10 race season, 16 race, or you can even do the full 22 race season. Uh, it also sounds like you can customize which um, tracks are in the shorter season. So if you want to only race 10 season, you know, 10 races and cut out Monaco, uh, you know, you can cut out Monaco, Mexico, Canada. Uh, t- You know, Spain. You you can, you know, bring it down to however few tracks you want. Um, At least that's what they're making it sound like. Again, I'll believe it when I see it. But would be pretty cool. The one thing that I'm looking forward to, uh, along with I know my buddy Ryan's been looking forward to. Shout out Ryan! uh, Is split screen. It is about fucking time. All right. I don't want to race people virtually, all right? I I have no problem racing friends virtually, but what happens when they come over? I got to like buy six copies of the game just so we can all hang out and bullshit around the track. No, I don't I don't want that. I just want to have the old-fashioned split screen. You know, I don't want to do all these leagues and shit online. No interest whatsoever. That takes too much time, too much hassle, too much stress. I just want to have some fun with it with a few friends while having a couple drinks. You know, that's something that I've been hoping they'd bring back for a long time. So to finally see it is absolutely fantastic. Um one of the other things I am actually hoping for a little bit uh would have been nice during this whole covid quarantine uh, would be for cross platform. We've seen it in the new Cod where you can you know if you're on a PC you can play somebody on the box or PlayStation. I really think that would be pretty cool. Uh that that holy smokes. <laughs> I it's it's if it hasn't happened if it doesn't happen this year it's got to happen within like the next 5 years. Um I, because I, that would be it's it, the technology's there. Why is it not happening? You know, it's the Peter Griffin. Why are we not funding this thing? Um, yeah. Um, which is probably going to lead into a bit of a rant here because I do have a thing with the whole game versus sim. Um, you yeah, know, so we've got these. Yeah, so you do have these f one-series games, um, you know, the Codemasters games, uh, the entry barrier, the en- the barrier into entry is pretty low. Pretty much anybody can pick it up. It looks great. It feels pretty solid. It's not really detailed enough to be called a sim. You can, yeah, tweak it a little bit, but it's not quite like 100% simulation. Um, but it's, you know, partly to keep the you know, the barrier to entry low, um, to which I look at it and I, you know, take an example, um, you know, maybe if they wanted to take a hint from the digital combat simulator series and make it so that either side can get into it. Um, that was my initial thought. However, when you look at DCS, it's designed more for a specific market of early to middle-aged adults, um, Yeah, who are generally relatively tech savvy are going to learn the basics pretty quickly, Um, whereas the F1 series is sort of more encompassing. Um, It's, yeah, you kind of need to cover from the youngest of kids to the oldest of adults. I mean, you've got... Martin Brundle Racing <laughs> in online series now uh with all the covid stuff I, you know I I'm if it were a true 100% simulator I'm not sure he could pick it up I think even someone like uh Charles Leclerc or Alex Albon um some of the other drivers uh Lando Norris could probably do it cuz he's already pretty big into the sim racing but even like george russell he i don't think he really had any interest in the sim racing until the beginning of COVID, and all of a sudden he saw it and went hey this is pretty cool um so there are more advanced simulators in terms of the racing but there's two big problems the first is I don't believe any of them have official FIA backing. Um, So to actually make something current is next to impossible without getting the pants suit off of you. Uh, The second part of that is they're all online only like iRacing um, or they have ridiculously high barriers to entry uh, where you have to have like the H block shifter and... Yeah. Or like the fancy steering wheel. Like I've got like a $90 wheel that I got rebuilt, uh, off Amazon and I've had it for about five years now. It does the job. It's nothing fancy, but it does the job for, you know, sim racing or for American truck simulator or dirt rally, you know, whatever, you know, it, it it does the job, um, But yeah, like some of these guys, you know, to truly benefit, you have to spend hundreds of dollars on this equipment, and I don't think you're going to – you know, just the games alone. I mean, you know, for iRacing, it's $10 just for the game, plus there's a subscription fee, plus if you want to get into more specific vehicles to get into whatever league, you have to spend even more money just to buy the cars essentially – and then you still have to fight your way through it all. And with something like iRacing, the safety rules are so weird that you know you get one troll that decides to mess you up that can ruin your entire uh, iRacing career and. Yeah, then you have to either create a new account or I'm not exactly sure how that works. I've never done iRacing, but that's been a big turnoff for me is the fact that it's an online only thing, which means there's schedules. There's, yeah, you, you have to race other people, you know, especially at the lower levels. There's probably a bunch of trolls, griefers, whatever you want to call them. I I can't be bothered. First off, I work a rotating schedule. All right, I I can't you know guarantee that I'm going to schedule. Oh yeah, let me block off this Friday night for you know an iRacing event. Bitch, I work. All right, some of us have to actually work for a living. We can't make money off of being content creators. Um, so in terms of that, if there was. A high fidelity simulator for F1 that wasn't online only and had backing from the FIA, I'd probably jump on it. I'd be willing to probably pay close to like a hundred bucks for something like that. I mean the F one game already is um you know, sixty bucks, not including the season passes or whatever, so Yeah, I'd pay like an extra forty bucks for something extra high fidelity. I might even go as high as like a hundred twenty five, hundred thirty. You know, if it's, you know, I wouldn't buy it every year. But if, you know, if it was, if the quality was there, and I didn't have to spend time online with the terrible people of the world, um, yeah, I'd buy it in half a heartbeat. Yeah, one of the other things you'll notice throughout this podcast is I really hate people, uh, which I mostly blame on my public safety career. Uh, So that pretty much wraps that up. Um, My last section here. um, So I haven't decided if this is going to be an ongoing thing, but I'm going to steal a little bit of a page out of my cousin Timmy's book. Shout out to uh, Timmy. uh, Go give his podcast a listen. uh, Timmy's range of opinions, Um, especially if you like listening to my cousin sing his own songs. Um, So he makes a sport prediction every episode. I'm going to make an F1 prediction this episode. And my prediction is this. I believe that the USGP is going to end up being cancelled, and it's probably going to be due to the civil unrest I don't like to get political I'm not going to get political it's just what I'm seeing right now based on what they're trying to cram in the way the rest of the world is looking at it I think that you are going to see the USGP probably take a sideline this year I will in fact be very surprised if it happens it will not be unwelcome to me if it still goes on I just think it will be I'll be very surprised by it, um, it yeah it's obviously a very fluid situation uh, things are changing by the hour um, but you know we'll uh, we'll see what happens um, so yeah that pretty much uh, does it for the uh, digital formula podcast for today uh, you can like us on Facebook, search for Digital Formula. I'll get a link somewhere. Uh, still debating on Twitter. Don't really use it personally. Um, I'm an old man. What the hell is Instagram? I, I have no idea. I, I don't quite understand what that is. And Snapchat. Isn't that for nudes? I don't have that either, though. If it is for nudes, maybe I should. Um, and you know, subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts uh, so you know when another episode uh, comes out. Till then, take care. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. By the way, I went back and looked. It was Ricky Rudd, not Rusty Wallace, so no need to go ahead and point that out to me.